0: What's going on everybody? My name is G Day. My name is Mitchell. And welcome back to Dapper Minds. And today we're gonna sh- jump straight into it. Today we'll be talking about how uh how the ad- how patients are diagnosed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you! But before we get into the episode, everybody, make sure to smash that like button, subscribe, ring that bell, so you can be notified when we, you know, record every two weeks. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and what else should you should comment and share the video, comment because we would love to hear from you. Yeah. And don't you dare laugh at me. But uh, 50% you know, of our say... intro
1: now has just been promotion, promoting our own channel. But <laughs> hey, we, got,
0: we got to promote it, yeah. But uh, yeah, th- th- thank you all for being here. And uh, yeah, that's, that's it. Okay. How patients are diagnosed. All right. So where do we start?
1: <laughs> well, I think it helps to start with a simple definition what is a diagnosis?
0: What is a diagnosis? Well, all right. To me, well, well, I th- I think I, I had a little... Ooh, oh, oh, look at me having definitions. <laughs> as you can see over here. <laughs> <Tell you. laughs> I know. I not cringe at all, obviously. <clears throat> but a, a diagnosis can be described as both a process and a classification scheme, you know, or a pre-existing set of categories agreed upon by the medical profession to designate a specific... <laughs>
1: Yeah, that is a mouthful. I think a sim- much simpler working, which you can find off of Google, too, if you are yeah. so inclined, is it, it's simply a, an identification of either a, you know, disorder, uh, condition, disease, uh, whatever it may be, a medical ailment of any sort or kind. Um, that, that's as simple. This is a diagnosis. It's an identification.
0: Oh yeah, I completely agree with that. It just says what you got and uh, not what you are, you know. Diagnosis, and uh, so that's that's all gravy, baby. And we're gonna get down into the weeds. But another question I got is something I'm confused about, and honestly, I don't even know myself. <laughs> it's okay. So you got a diagnosis, right? And a diagnosis, as we said, is just determining. What illness, ailment, you know, disorder, condition you, uh, you've got or you've come down with. But what the, what in the good what in God's green earth is a prognosis, Mitchell? <laughs>
1: oh, fancy word. Uh, I don't know how often people hear, it, but I think people have definitely heard the word and say I have no idea what that means. So mm. I'm going to use a stereotypical like medical scene you see in movies or whatever, you know, a patient's got some sort of terminal illness and they say, you've got like six months to live or whatever that right mm-hmm. there is a prognosis. Um, it's not necessarily like you got such and such long to live. It's simply, um, I want to say a prediction, but it kind of is just a prediction of how the disease or condition is going to progress. And that's what the prognosis is. Um, it doesn't always mean like a bad thing. Sometimes it's like, all right, prognosis for your broken leg is it's going, and you start talking through all the steps of how that bone starts healing up and how the, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you know the fracture starts closing within it. That's also a prognosis. Uh, so basically, I uh, think of it as just a prediction: uh, the how the disease is going to progress, how the ailment is going to progress, whatever it is.
0: Mitchell coming out with all that alliteration.
1: He said, yeah, "That's my research. Pro- <laughs> I didn't even think I was going to alliteration. I thought you were like commending my my hard work and diligence in research this episode." But fine, I'll. I'll take my unintentional literary expertise. No, no, no.
0: What's more important, you know, sounding really smooth with the talk, with the speech, or you know, doing all this research and sounding... Ke- oh, who cares about that? Okay, <laughs> care about we care about that that silver tongue. Eh? Oh boy, <laughs>
1: right. but anyways. Well- now that we know what a diagnosis is, I think it helps to understand what exactly goes into it. What are the steps in diagnosing a patient or a person or anything? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, yes, your pet salamander. What? <laughs> Forget about that. But anyways, uh, so, so uh, there are two ways. I mean, I feel like it's relatively the same you know I'm the psychology dude the psychologist Mitchell's the the doctor
1: and all that so i go that far yet but
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I'm pretty sure the the steps are pretty similar mine are kind of straightforward let me let me give you guys the you know the what is that the mental health professionals uh uh what what this, their steps you know there's three main steps according to psychology today <laughs> uh, those three steps are number 1 gathering information i feel like that also works with uh Mitchell's too first you gather the information so they'll they'll conduct an interview so they'll ask you all these questions okay what's been going on you know what are your main concerns what symptoms uh do you have you know is it like overwhelming sense of anxiety or you know loss of joy whatever is going on you tell the mental health professional about those symptoms you also uh they also get your life history so if you've had any thing that's been going on in your life beforehand if you've had any illnesses or mental disorders before and then if they need additional information they might go to your family or your record. Uh, maybe conduct some lab tests or give you a questionnaire. So, yeah, that's step number one, gathering all that information about what the situation is, what's going on with you. Number two is narrowing down your options because once you've gathered that information in their mind, they already have a list of, of uh, you know, illnesses that it could potentially be. So now they're going to go to the DSM-5, which is the, uh, I, I forgot the, what it spells out, but that's okay. <laughs> or I could quickly look it up or Mitchell could look it I'll up I'll do me it while I... you
1: keep speaking. <laughs> don't make any more mistakes, so I have to go find it.
0: <laughs> okay, but yeah, so they're going to the DSM-5 which is the latest edition uh, and they'll match the symptoms with those in the DSM-5. Whatever matches the best, that's what they'll go ahead and diagnose the patient with. And uh, and usually they'll come up. As I said, they're narrowing down the options, so it's a couple of different options. They usually don't narrow it down to one, unless it's like a perfect match. But uh, but that actually just dips into step number three, which is they form a diagnostic impression. What does that mean? Basically, it just means an initial diagnosis, because because you know when you make a first a diagnosis the first time, you could be wrong. Or it could be that and another thing. So, even the first impression could be multiple diagnoses,
1: uh, I think which is it's, which... Uh, important to note here. Um, two, one, DSM five is Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Um, Thank you. So, important note here this is specific to um, what's called uh, m- mental disorders uh, when you start talking more about psychology. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think... Uh, there are many databases for uh, the broader medical community, and one that is often used is up-to-date, which is great, but is a subscription-based thing. won't get too into that. Uh, and the second big. note here, is, as Jude's talking about, uh, potentially d- different diagnoses. Um, you know, you have one diagnosis, but it could be something else. It's actually what uh, is referred to as differential diagnostics. Uh, so you have a differential diagnosis. You You have... Multiple diagnoses that you're actually looking at, this could potentially be this, this, or this, and then based mm-hmm. off of further information gathering, um, further analy- analyzing or processing of information that you already have, such as lab results or anything like that, you can actually start whittling off some of those options, or maybe it is multiple as uh, more than one
0: There you go, you heard it, and that's actually sort of an important thing when they make multiple uh diagnoses because it could mean it, it can mean a few things. It can mean number one, they're not entirely sure. <laughs> and, and number two, it could just mean that there are a lot of factors. But that actually dips into well first Mitchell, uh before before we, we get into anything else. From the steps I listed, gathering information, narrowing down the options, forming a diagnostic impression What is the difference between, you know, a mental health professional's role and what
1: you do? Oh, well, I wouldn't say what I do specifically. (laughs) 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 But uh, in comparison to, um, I'd say, for example, I'm just going to use an ER doctor as an example just because it's one of the things I'm more familiar with and, you know, probably a uh, well-represented thing that most people can relate to. But Uh, I'd say the key difference is with a medical professional, for example, you talk about life history, uh, when you're talking about, um, for example, a, you know, standard clinical uh, visit or anything like that, typically it takes just a medical history, and while they do have some of those questions kind of pointed towards that, particularly in a, um, say, family doctor's visit, uh, asking about certain uh, life events and all that, typically it's a medical history that's focused on um, have you had any of these conditions in the past? Have you, do you have family members? Um, you, talking about family history who have you know hypertension or history of heart attack, stroke, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, you know, any of those things? Um, so there's a little bit more emphasis on that and also looking at things. Not to say that there's a, no psych evaluation in clinical settings or anything like that, but most doctors. <laughs> uh, tend to have a higher degree of focus on, you know, what is wrong with the body. If there's something, you know, going on psychologically, then it's referencing or, uh, referring that person to uh, an expert in that field, whether it be a psychiatrist, a clinical psychologist or whoever else. Um, oh yeah. 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 One, one more thing, I suppose, uh, looking at stuff. So, you know, I don't know how many people, have gone to a therapist or anything like that or talked to a psychologist mm-hmm. to kind of determine things but making a diagnosis that way the key source of information that's being used is well that conversation uh what the patient is telling you whereas mm-hmm. in a you know when you talk about a you know medical doctor not a psychiatrist that is or psychologist um while part of that conversation is important Particularly the medical and family history and all that. Uh, what are your symptoms that you're experiencing? Um, there are a lot, a lot of more sources that are used uh, in conjunction with that. For example, you know, lab results is a huge one. So, if or just any sort of other diagnostic tools. So, let's say somebody comes in complaining of chest pain. All right, mm. doctor starts thinking his head. This could be a heart attack. This could be pneumonia. This could be a whole list of things. Um, and so he has an E. KG done, or electrocardiogram, which is that fancy little heart monitor uh, that goes Mm -hmm. beep, 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 and shows all (laughs) that. (laughs) You know, just in case people don't know. Um, So, you know, those are some of the tools that doctors start relying on more and more in comparison to a psychologist whose main thing is simply that conversation, because quite frankly, there's no fancy, you know, blood test or you know, Mm -hmm. electrocardiogram that can tell you if somebody has uh, a depression or schizophrenia or anything like that. Um, Some mental disorders may have some other uh, ways of kind of being uh, presented and beyond just, uh, you know, subjective symptoms. I'm going to (laughs) say, I don't think that's necessarily a correct terminology, but simply beyond uh, observable behaviors, something that's a little bit more uh, quantitative, uh, so to speak. Uh, like I can check how many red blood cells you have or something like that, uh, like mm-hmm. you did with c- certain um, medical disorders. So I'd say that's probably one of the key differences. Is it's a little bit, I don't want to say easier, but you do have more diagnostic tools at your disposal when you're looking at more physical disorders, conditions, in comparison to mental disorders and conditions. Mm. So, so if you had to summarize
0: the difference between uh, the mental health professional and the uh and the what, the, the the physiological professional <laughs> you know the, the doctor <laughs> would you would you say the, the the difference is that uh is that their diagnosis is more focused on what they can you know quantitatively physically uh measure and locate whereas the psychologist is just trying to you know, gather information from whatever that, that patient is telling them or whatever they can see,
1: right? Yeah, I, I, I'd simply say both are both use the products of their craft. The psychologist, mm-hmm. psychiatrist focus keely on that conversation than behaviors because that's what they're focused on is the behaviors of a person and how they're affected by their mental status. Whereas, you know, other doctors are, uh, Say professionals who focus on the body itself, um, uh, they, they focus on the signs and symptoms more of what's happening to the body, um, and they can take behaviors into account and all that and the, uh, vice versa, what happens to the body. Like, for example, sudden weight loss or weight gain is something that's actually uh, used by psychologists and psychiatrists as well. So it's not like there's no Ooh. crossover, but simply put, there's a heavier emphasis on the part that the doctor or the psychologist is focused on whether that be the mind or the body
0: Mm. nice summary and uh that's a nice that's a nice distinction um but that's actually uh, a solid uh segue into, into into another difference well not not between the um not between the two different kind of fields but a difference in coming up with the result. You know what I'm saying? Because even though, you know, we're talking about, let's say two different doctors in a hospital or two different uh, psychologists at the same building or, or hospital or rehab center, they can come up with different diagnoses. You know what I'm saying? Even from the same patient, come up with the, with different diagnoses, what is up with that, Mitchell?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting because um, it, it can happen. You know, for example, you go to one uh, psychologist, say I think you have a depression. You go to another psychologist, say I don't think you have depression. I think you're just depressed right now. You know, yeah, short <laughs> thing. Um, and certainly, people have had record many recorded frustrations going to medical systems, going to. One doctor, um, I read this one case of a guy that had uh, torn a ligament in his hand, or maybe it was a tendon. Um, can't remember which, but the doctor said, oh yeah, it's torn all the way through. We're going to have to go in and do surgery. And the patient said, I, I don't think that's right. Um, I'd like to get a second diagnosis. He goes to another doctor and ends up finding out that is only a partial tear and it only just needed a couple of weeks to heal. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, how, how did that come to happen that there were two different diagnoses, um, even though both of the doctors had the same equipment available to them and had the same, uh, likely, about the same proximate level of medical training and experience. Mm-hmm. And I think the key thing to look at is, one, the human factor in it, you know, whether... Yeah. You know, if you're a specialist in a certain case, you may be more uh, likely to say, you know, 90% of the time when I see these symptoms present, it's going to be this thing. And there's a typical saying, uh, both medical school and medical profession in general, saying when you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. So, for example, you see symptoms like, you know, you have a cough, sore throat or whatever. It's like, first thing you think of is it's cold because, let's be honest, that's, it's more likely to be cold than anything else. Um, but it could be a super mm-hmm. rare disease of the throat and mouth or whatever that has like a prominence of one in, uh, you know, 100 million, <laughs> you know, so yeah. th- there, there, part yeah. of it is the practicality. Some doctors are going to tend to lean towards and some, a lot of psychologists too, just the most common, um, thing it could be based off the symptoms because while well, it's common, it's the most likely to be correct. Um, whereas other people who are more specialized in, I say, um, more niche cases may be more likely to look at things outside of that. Also what specialty you're in. If I'm a surgeon, Mm -hmm. I might look at things a lot differently than if I was a general practitioner, like a family medicine doctor. Um, Mm -hmm. I might, uh, miss things that that doctor would, I might recommend different solutions than that other doctor would. Um, yeah. And part of it, too, is just how good of a doctor or psychologist uh, that individual is. So let's say um, I'm, I've, I'm tired. I've had a really bad day. I would say a really bad wife. Um, you know, wife just left me, took the kids uh, type of thing. And I, I don't really care. I just want to write off a prescription for this person, go on my way. I might not take mm-hmm. the time and dedication to actually look into the matter. I might be really confident and arrogant say yeah no it's this for sure and even though new uh information presented myself um then i might still have some sort of cognitive dissonance and say no no it's for sure whatever i said um that's part of it and so there are so many factors but i say the biggest thing is people are people and uh since we're not all operating on the same software so to speak uh we all have our own different personalities uh sets of skills knowledge and even with the medical profession different uh sets of you know specialties um and we're trained trained in different ways so that ends up providing room for different results to occur as well as information not always being so cut and dry like you know what's a fast heartbeat all right 100 beats per per minute whatever should i take that as a sign that something is going wrong or is this person just uh you know stressed out right now mm. doctor might not know some stuff isn't so cut and dry especially when it comes to uh the mental field which i think you might know a little bit more about
0: yeah i uh i find this really interesting because cause you look at uh well there's there's for for one uh like Athletes, uh, my my knowledge is mostly about the NBA, but uh for example, Kawhi Leonard, when he injured his his leg, you know, he met with the the doctors for the Spurs, the San Antonio Spurs, and they were like, Oh, you know, X, Y, and Z and we'll give you this treatment, and then he came back and he was like, No, this it it doesn't feel right. And so he had to go and seek out another doctor who gave him the the treatment and the diagnosis that best work for him. So I think it's it's super interesting that that even with all this, uh, what is it, like skill, preparation, you know, experience, that they can still kind of get it wrong. And another thing to think about is preference. So you were saying there's external stuff like what's going on in the professional's life or just like situationally, maybe the person's stressed out. But also, uh, one of my, uh, or and <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. The 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 other factor I was getting to, like I said, preference. For example, one of my friends was like, oh, you know, I had to bounce around uh, for a couple different therapists to get the one that best worked for me, you know, and and she was dealing with depression. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's also interesting that that even like I said, even with all of this experience, there's still there's still so many factors to for a diagnosis, not only to be right, but for the whole process to go out right. And, uh, yeah, that's it's definitely interesting. But I think one of the best ways to maybe get an accurate diagnosis, get an accurate stuff is exactly what you're saying, like the specialization Trying to do your research and figure out, you know, which professional is really specialized in what I'm in what I'm dealing with or what I'm going through, because you know, like you said, I, I don't think you should go to a surgeon if you, uh, I, I don't know, <laughs> if you're dealing with something with their mouth. Maybe, maybe that's more of a of an orthodontist type of thing, or a dentist. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe that was a bad example, but, but, but you know what I'm saying. F- find somebody who's, who's specialized in, in what you're going with. And that, that's actually a nice segue into, into, I guess, two questions you could ask. Why is it important to get an accurate diagnosis? And how do we, and, and like I said, how do you even get that accurate diagnosis? My take is get a specialist. What do you think? On both um,
1: yeah, how to get an accurate diagnosis. I, I agree with you on one point. Make sure you're you're getting contact with the right person. Usually, um kinda of, depends too, but usually, for example, and I'm thinking sort of more on the you know I don't want to say medical side, because psychology is mental health. I don't yeah. Whatever, you know, the, the more physiological <laughs> stuff. Something you get yeah. you got shot with a bullet or something type of thing. You know, um, usually if you go to the wrong person, they'll usually get you a referral or say go to a general practitioner first is a great way. So family medicine doctor or whatever. And then they'll say, I'm going to refer you to this, you know, hand specialist because you've got something screwed up with your hand or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But first thing, yeah, I agree with you. Make sure you're going to the right person. But additionally, making sure, like for yourself, um, that that person uh, seems receptive of what you're telling them. Because this is also a, sometimes an issue in the medical field. Um, I say in psychological field as well. Sometimes people lie yeah. about their symptoms and what's going yeah. on with them. And unfortunately, what that causes uh, to happen is sometimes the doctor, professional, whoever they may be, may not always believe you. And oftentimes, it's not like a personal thing. It's not they think you're personally you know, prone to lying. It's simply... You know, for example, the opioid adep- epidemic that's been happening in America, uh, a lot of it is due to people just want to get on drugs. So they start complaining of, you know, back pain or whatever other pain they have. So they can just get some opioids to kind of fuel an addiction. Um, so doctors are more hesitant to give out, you know, opioids to people who actually need them, who actually have real pain. So I think that's mm. the important thing. If you feel like uh, your doctor, your professional is not taking you seriously, is not taking your symptoms seriously, whether they think you're lying or they just don't care. I think it's an important thing to say, All right, I'm going to go find somebody else. Or if you're not sure about a diagnosis, saying, hey, I'm going to go uh, to another doctor and get a second opinion. Because I think one of the signs of a great professional is when they're willing to say, you know, I think it's this, but I'm not sure. And I think it would be great if I could get a second opinion. And they might not always say that to you explicitly, but that is... Uh, good point of when somebody's able to admit like, Hey, I don't know, um, everything I'm going to work to try to find out as much as I can. So I can help you the best I can. But if they're open up front about that, then I think, you know, you have somebody who's actually working for your betterment who's going to work to make sure they get the right diagnosis for you.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a really important point about the receptive. And that ties back into the story I gave about my friend because she was saying that, uh, you know, they, they weren't really collaborating with her, you know, and that's, that's huge. It's somebody who's, who's listening to what you're saying and is trying to work out the best solution for you. And if they're, they're just like, oh, I see this and this and this. All right, you, you no, no you're fine. <laughs> it, it, you just, you're just going through a rough path <laughs> Or, oh, you have this completely different, you know, illness or, or, you know, or or whatever. Then that's uh, that's that's kind of a problem, but but I, I completely agree with you that that's that's really important, and uh, yeah. So so it's really important to get somebody who's receptive. It's also important to get that accurate diagnosis because you want the best, you want accurate treatment. You know what I'm saying? You don't want you don't want. Uh, I don't know. Like let's say you have uh, uh, what, what what is it like foot fungus or whatnot? So let's say you got foot fungus, and they're like. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, you just need you just need a massage, <laughs> or so or something like that, or or you got um, you got something up with your stomach." And they're like, "Oh, yeah, you just need uh, a stomach pump. Couldn't be ulcers. Couldn't, couldn't be anything else, you know." Like, it, it, it's important that that they that to get an accurate diagnosis so they can best help you, which is pretty obvious, but. Um, is there, is there anything else you have to to say about that cheese, Mitchell?
1: Well, uh, yeah, actually one thing, but actually more on the mental aspect too, um, kind of what you're talking about, like, uh, you know, making sure that your doctor's like cooperating with you and all that. Um, Mm -hmm. but uh, along different lines, uh, sort of a little bit more of a niche thing. Um, when you have certain, uh, and this is another complication of mental diagnoses, Aside from, like, you're just trying to determine off behavior and of what this person is saying, you don't have as many qualitative tests. When you look at it, too, uh, for example, people who are on the, you know, have autism spectrum disorder, uh, aside from it being the whole spectrum, one interesting thing is when people become adults uh, and they have, you know, certain, uh, gosh, what are they called? Not, they're, they're not ticks. I used to call some of them ticks, but I can't remember. I'll, I'll say it if I come up with it. But they start to mask some of these uh, presentations of this, and they start to develop behaviors that kind of help them blend in more. And that can make it a lot harder to kind of identify that. So that comes in additional frustration if you're somebody who's like, yeah, I know this because I've had this experience for so long, even if it's not as readily you know, observable right now. I think it's mm-hmm. important, uh, too, and when, when you're talking about some conditions like that, or just in general with uh, when you're going for a mental health diagnosis um, to make sure it's reliable that you have somebody who's willing to look a little bit past that. and who also asked some additional questions about, all right, um, so what was that like when you were younger then, if this is, you know, a lifelong thing? Um, and how did that present when you were younger versus right now where it may not be as readily observable? Um, so I think that's an important thing to kind of uh, also considered when you're looking at certain mental health diagnoses, uh, not certainly not all of them, but
0: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, there's one other thing I wanted to add to that. Uh, what you said is good uh, concerning why it's important to get a good diagnosis. It's also it can just be a source of hope and and relief. You know that that you're not crazy. <laughs> you know, there's there's something there's something go on and uh you know they've they've located it they figured it out and now you're you're on this plan to to treat whatever you're going through and and get better um and also that that you're not alone you know that there are other people going through that so you know they've they've done it before they've been through it before easy or maybe it's not the easiest but but you know what i'm saying It's, it's something they have experience with so they can help you and uh and yeah so that's nice um this, we can now move ahead into one of the last few things we want to talk about, which is, <laughs> uh, which, which I get, I guess it's, it's also with the, the mental health or no, 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 the healthcare provider or whatnot, what they're, they're, they're doing. But like, why, why do you think nowadays there are a lot of doctors, a lot of, mental health professionals affirming their patients' problems rather than challenging
1: them. Ooh, boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, I, I, th- I, th- I feel like this is something mm-hmm. you probably have more to say on than I do, because I look at stuff from the more uh, cynical perspective of uh, <laughs> doctors being cynical of patients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, I certainly think uh, one aspect of it. Um, is simply one it's it's easier to just say yeah you're right or whatever and just take these drugs (laughs) and that's certainly uh, a key part in some places uh and that is sort of a cynical uh criticism of the profession of they're just you know in league with the uh was it with the pharmaceutical uh industry or whatever big pharma and they're just getting more money off of this which I don't know. In most cases, I can't speak for private practices so much, but I know that's certainly not the case with, you know, uh, individual, you know, public hospitals or whatever. Um, but uh, I think you have something more to say on this. A maybe a broader trend in G day. Broader trend. Well, I'll I'll say as much as I know. From what
0: I can gauge, it's it's a lot to do with the times and how um, there's, okay, there's there's even this thing on psych- psychology today. It says some diagnoses and labels related to mental illness or addiction create prejudice or discrimination when used inappropriately. This could mean that the person with the diagnosis is treated unfairly, denied services or opportunities, ridiculed, or may receive negative reactions from others because they have been labeled as mentally ill. So my, my thought is that the reason a lot of uh uh health professionals might affirm and agree with the oh y- yes you you do have depression yes you do have uh what is that an ear infection <laughs> 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 or whatnot well I, I feel like doctors may do that less than mental health professionals because like we said before mental health is a little more subjective but i but going back to the main point, I feel like they they're doing this. This is more of a cultural trend because they don't want to step on any toes and be labeled themselves as anything negative. Maybe maybe they're they're bigoted or or something like that, you know. <laughs> so they're just trying to, you know, maybe maybe they're just doing that to to save their skin, you know, keep their job, uh, and just and just live a a, a quiet life <laughs> <laughs> because. Because the the labels, you know, nowadays if you if you use labels and all these different things, it can uh, it can be quite messy. And that's actually this actually goes into another interesting thing I was talking to you about the other day, which is, oh good grief, <laughs> is is some of the the language they're using like instead of instead of using or there's like a, there's like a debate about should we call the people working with patients or should we call them clients because if we call them patients then it can be seen as though they're just receiving treatment and they're just at harm's way you know they have no say and and all this stuff but if we call them clients then that removes the emotional part of it, it removes the you know the the part where they feel you know humane so it just makes them sound like they're business associates <laughs> yeah, you know so they're like going back and forth about that so that that also ties into that that they're they're trying to really uh is, is it like politically correct they're trying to really remain innocent and try to make sure their terminology their direction their approach everything is just spotty and clean and good so that they you know nothing nothing happens <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, remember, <laughs> I remember this conversation we had uh, Must have been a couple of days ago, a few days ago or whatever. <laughs> I remember my thought process was, all right, if that's a problem, why not just call them by their first name? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> <Dave>, and <Susan. laughs> I, I come up with the most generic names and use them for examples, but the point still stands. Um, and I think in that case, if you're directly referring to somebody, I think it's good where you're talking about a case where, um, where you're not worried about HIPAA because the other person is also working on the same case. Um, HIPAA just Mm -hmm. being, you know, that typical privacy concerning your medical information uh, surrounding the case, so I can't just go and start saying if I'm your doctor, uh, you know, Susan has, you know, foot fungus or whatever to whoever I want, I can't discuss your patient details unless it's with somebody else who also is on the case or somebody that you've given permission to know the details of that case. So in that case, um, no pun intended, um, (laughs) It's, it's oh, right. easier for us patient X or whatever because we have to keep this person uh, completely anonymous. We need some sort of identifier for them. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's patient X has these conditions and they become teaching cases without being concerned that your personal information is getting um, revealed to many, many people. Um, in those cases, I think that's typically way we're calling patient. Um, if you're not quite sure about the name um, or you know, it's a lot easier to think, uh, instead of, you have like 20 people in the ER take care of, instead of thinking, you know, Dave, Bob, Susan, or whatever, and trying to keep track of all these names, who has what condition, saying the patient with pneumonia or the patient with, uh, whatever. And when you're physically talking to the person, always referring to them by their name, because to be honest, it's kind of, kind of dehumanizing when you're just referred to as a patient. I don't even call you by your name or when you're immediately working on that case, it's a lot easier just calling by their name. I think we'd go into a huge rabbit hole with just this. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'll... Be saying, there's, there's, there's room for using all those terms without being, you know, a jerk. And then you can be a jerk. If you start just dehumanizing people with, mm-hmm. uh, terms. Uh, but in general, I think when, you, when you have the option to use names and it's actually, uh, logical or practical to do so uh, as well or it's not impractical to do so i should say uh use somebody's name cuz <laughs> why not, <laughs> why, not? <laughs> why why the heck not
0: i mean they they have the clipboard you know they they they, ha- they have your name so yeah. so, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so so why not yeah yeah i was even tempted to read some of the stuff from that one article but but you know what? It's okay. <laughs> it's it's okay. We 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 get the point. But uh all right. Now I guess on the the last thing um that we should discuss Let these kids go away <laughs> is uh what, you know, with all of these things we've considered, you know, what is the diagnosis, the steps, why we need an accurate one. What how do we determine a a reliable diagnosis. How do we make sure our diagnosis is, you know, not a little sus or sketch or, or incorrect? Yeah. What do you think?
1: I yeah. think we talked about a little bit, like making sure the healthcare providers actually, uh, given something over well, but uh, I guess we can best just kind of sum that up again. You know, mm-hmm. like just the per- person, and this is actually an interesting thing too. Um, when you're talking about just like getting along with the person doesn't even necessarily mean they're a bad healthcare professional or anything like that. But if you just get along well with your healthcare professional, um, I I don't have the uh, research in front of me. So I suppose you just count as speculation or whatever, but if I can find it, I will give it to you all, um, in the future. Um, but research has shown that people who actually are more satisfied with their healthcare professionals as people tend to be more satisfied with their diagnoses have, uh, a higher rate of like correct diagnoses, uh, and all of this put together, like just simply getting along with your professional is enough to actually cause those increases, those boosts to that. Um, so I mm-hmm. think that's, it's, uh, it's an important thing to think about too. If you're just not getting along with the person, maybe there's, it's time to switch who you're going to, um, even if it's just for, um, the diagnostic pur- purposes and not even because this is a crappy conversation we're having because I don't like you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely an interesting point. And also it can be said that that even if you, you get along with them, that that also helps with the collaboration part because if you get along with them and they're nice and, and all that stuff, then they can better – you can know that they'll better help you get the right diagnosis. You know, they're not, they're not misdiagnosing you just to, you know, send you out the door (laughs) or whatnot. You know, they're, they're trying to get you that right diagnosis so then they can collaborate with their, uh, and and actually this is another thing I found interesting when I was doing research about this is that it's not, uh, or at least from what I read uh, it's not usually just one doctor you know, who comes up with the diagnosis, they have to get it checked by another doctor. (laughs) So they have to present it uh, to another uh, doctor, you know, give their whole thing. And then the other doctor, you know, corrects it, or they add their own, you know, opinion or viewpoint, and then they come together, they create a diagnosis, and then they go. Now with psychology, you know, mental health stuff, I, I don't know if it's the same. I think there's just multiple people working on certain uh, cases Mitchell calls it you know because they're in a hospital but it I guess with uh, mental health people it depends because they can work in a variety of places but I thought that was also interesting so yeah uh, just to summarize my point getting along with them can help with the collaborativeness of the whole process (laughs) and the success rate. but with all that being said is there, is there anything else we should touch down on, Mitchell, or you desire to uh, relate to the people?
1: Uh, you know, I, I don't have any more specific advice for the people. I don't, I don't think so. Not off the top of my head. But I will say for anybody out there who is going through the process of getting diagnosed for something or, you know, has just recently been going through all that, uh, we wish you the best. Uh, for whatever that mm-hmm. is. Uh, hope that you have a good health outcome and hope that for those of you who may face in the future that you're able to use some of this to your own benefit. Uh, feel free to do some more research. I know this topic will certainly be brought up again at some point in the future. Um, maybe we'll be talking about different aspects of it, but uh, so, by all means, just keep track of anything we're saying. Do your own research. We'll definitely link some of our own uh, resources that we use for this if you want to look into it further oh yeah we got you covered. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah we, we we got you guys covered but like mitch said do your own research and uh we wish you the best of luck but that'll be it from us here guys you gotta smash the like button i'm just i'm just saying yeah I, you know, i'm not it's not anything crazy you know, yeah, Mitchell knows I like all these synonyms. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not terrible or reprehensible or deplorable. It's, it's not any of that. You know, you, you just, you just, you just click the or you smash it, you crush it. You know, the like button, you subscribe, ring the bell. You know what I'm saying? You share the video. I mean, most importantly, other than subscribing, liking, you gotta comment. You know what I'm saying? We want to hear your thoughts. And also, you know, when you comment, you build a community, other people can have different perspectives and help you out as well. Because this is just, you know, a moment in time, but you can have conversations with people. All right. Once again, guys, my name is Jide. His name is Mitch. And we're out of here. <laughs> not Okay, it's not Jide. It's Jide. And his name is Mitchell. We're out of here. Peace out.